Here's Reinman in the Morning, on demand from 1021 and 105.3, The Shark. My guest will compete in the main event of AEW Dynamite's Blood and Guts at the TD Garden in Boston tomorrow night. Please welcome to Reinman in the Morning, Wheeler Yuta. Mr. Yuta, welcome to New England. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, this is AEW's first time at the legendary TD Garden. Now, for people who may not know, how would you say AEW differs from, like, WWE, for instance? Yeah, I think that uh, AEW is really, uh, you know, we've sort of declared ourselves to be an alternative. But I think it really just comes down to there's a lot of uh, creative freedom. So we really focus on uh, the wrestling itself and letting the wrestlers sort of be who they want to be in the ring. So I think that we'll give you a lot of variety. I think that we'll give you a lot more, uh, you know, different aspects of pro wrestling that you might not get anywhere else. For example, this week we have, uh, you know, we have our blood and guts match, which will be a big match, double cage, two rings. It'll be very exciting. So, yeah, I'm really pumped to, to be in the Boston Garden for the first time with AEW. Now, you talked about that match, so it's you got two cages in the ring, but like, what are what are the stipulations? Like, are are we? Is it the first one to get the blood or the first one to get the guts? What's going on in this match? <laughs> well, there will be plenty of blood and plenty of guts throughout the whole match. But uh, the way it works is, it's uh, my team, the Blackpool Combat Club, uh, going up against the Golden Elite. Uh, it'll be five on five. The match will start with uh, one member of each team in the ring. Uh, then every every few minutes they'll send in a new member from one of the teams uh, on, on a predetermined order until we get everyone in the ring, and then from that point on it's one fall to a finish. Wow, that's it. Well, let me ask you, what are some of the wrestlers you like to watch when you were growing up and and hoping to be in the ring someday? Yeah, there were so many of them. There was a lot of them. I was always uh, Rey Mysterio was one of the first guys who really uh, caught my attention. He was a he was a big high flyer and I really like the colorful costumes and the mask and everything. But then as I sort of got older, I sort of found myself wanting to be more of a tactical wrestler. And then I found guys like uh, the dynamite kid. Uh, then I found uh, one of my teammates, uh, Brian Danielson of the Blackpool combat club. Mm-hmm. Fortunately right now. So we will be missing this match. Uh-huh. But yeah. There's a lot of guys that I was really looking, looking up to as a kid, but those are, those are three names that come to mind. And is this your first time wrestling in Boston? Your first time? Uh, this is not my first time wrestling in Boston. I've actually had uh, plenty of matches in that New England area. Uh, when I was on the Independence, I used to spend a lot of time wrestling in Worcester uh, for Beyond Wrestling. And now I have, I've definitely been in Boston. One of my biggest matches ever was with uh, John Moxley. Oh, that's right. Who's now my, that's how I joined the BCC. And that was in Boston. Uh, I believe that was the Aganis Arena. Aganis, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, so this is, this is definitely the biggest one we've done in Boston, but I've been there plenty of times. Okay, now let me ask you though, because you, you're from Hawaii, though, right? That's your, it's where you started out. Uh, so that's where I was born. My dad is a uh, my dad was in the Navy, so that's where he was stationed at the time. Yeah, but I only really lived there for about six months, I'd say, before he retired. Oh, interesting. Because I read something interesting about you is that when you're not wrestling, you play the steel drums. Is that true? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been I, playing steel drums? When did you pick that up? Uh, so actually, my music teacher, uh, when I was a kid, uh, he, he had a doctorate in music, and he was very interested in percussion. Uh, so he was very interested in the steel drums. So, you know, where you would probably, you know, do recorders and stuff in music class. We yeah. had 
we had a lot cooler options, and one of them was the steel drum. So I started when I was in, I believe, fourth grade, and then we had we had a band of uh, of elementary school steel drummers, and then as I got older, uh, everyone else sort of you know fell by the wayside. I had a good relationship with that teacher, so we started doing private lessons, and then yeah, I became uh, I would play for like weddings and parties and stuff like that. So I was a, a professional steel drummer for a while. You know, I got to say, it's so good you're in AEW, because if you were over there in Stanford, I mean, that's who you'd be. Here he comes, the steel drummer, and you would just be playing steel that. Drummer. Yeah, Vince would pop for that. Well, what is your, what's your favorite go-to song that you like to play on the steel drums? Uh, there's, uh, there's a song, I believe it's from Trinidad, it's called The Hammer. That's probably my favorite one to play. Uh, but I would say I played Under the Sea so many times <laughs> that I play it left-handed with my eyes closed. That's the truth. Because I tried one time, and I played it so many times. Uh, so that's probably the one I know the most, but I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite. But that's one that people would recognize at least. Yeah, I, there's some, there's, I can see some down the road sometime a Let Me Up moment with you and Dan Housen doing Under the Sea. I could definitely see that. I played tequila for, uh, for old Dan Housen during the pandemic because he asked me to. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> It always comes out of nowhere. Yeah. There's so much talent now in AEW, and I'm just not in addition to uh, the up and comers, as some would say, like yourselves, the new talent, the talent of today, some legends that you're working side by side with. And I just want to run through just maybe four names real quick and just kind of get your thoughts on what it's been like working with them. I'll go first with Chris Jericho. What's that been like? Yeah, it's, it was a great working with Chris Jericho. You know, I had uh, a main event matched with him on Dynamite that was, uh, you know, felt like really being thrown into the deep end, but it was just awesome to be able to uh, have that match against him. And, yeah, he's been just nothing but nothing but great to work with. Uh, he's, he's a genius. He really is. Uh, yeah, nothing but good things to say. How about this guy when he first showed up backstage? Double J, Jeff Jarrett. What's that been like? <laughs> uh, yeah, Jeff Jarrett's also been cool. I've... I've enjoyed getting to chat with him a little bit. Uh, he was he was really good and uh, checking up on me a few times uh, when I was a little bit banged up. So yeah, just just been great as well, and it's really cool to see you know just how long he's been at it, but how how great he still is at it. Okay, now major legend from my childhood in the, in the '90s, Sting. Have you gotten to talk to Sting very much? Um, I've talked to him a little bit, and every time I have, it's been it's been great. But Sting is Sting is awesome. Everyone always talks about. Thing is probably the coolest guy in our locker room. You just look at him and you're like, yeah, that's a cool guy. But he's just been, yeah, he's been awesome. He's been great for us. And he's been, you know, really putting it on the line for, for AEW. So nothing but respect for him. And then one more. Uh, this is someone who just came back to AEW, CM Punk. Have you gotten to know CM Punk? Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, any of my interactions with CM Punk have always been great. They've always been pleasant. So yeah, he's been awesome. He was, he obviously adds a lot to our company, so he's great to have around. But yeah, he's been I have nothing but good things to say there too. Now as you focus up for this big match happening tomorrow night, it's blood and guts. Uh anything you'd like people to know before they go to the show at the T D Garden? Uh I think that if you're coming to the show at the T D Garden, just be ready for uh for a spectacle. You know, if you've not seen wrestling live before, this is one hell of an introduction. <laughs> the blood and guts match. It's gonna be violent going to be crazy it's going to be insane but you know if that's not really your cup of tea there will be something else on the card for you as well 
I think one of the things AEW does really well is provide variety and provide something for everyone. So, you know, you might laugh, you might cry at different points in the show, but there'll be something for you that you enjoy. And then I, I'm just going to volunteer Wheeler for this. If your kids are crying, he'll come out with his steel drums and play Under the Sea and make them feel better. That. I will. I will I will cheer you up. The last the last gig I played was uh, an, all du- an all-dentist luau. It's actually the last gig I played. <laughs> Ten years ago, when I was I was packing up to leave, I didn't know what it was. It was just a through an event promoter I had always worked for. Please, please, please don't okay. use that as a faction name in AEW. I don't want I don't want to turn on and see Blackpool Fight Club against All Dentist Luau. <laughs> I think that's me and Britt Baker tag team. I like All it. Dentist. We love Britt Baker, an interesting person. Go look her up too. She's a dentist and a wrestler, and she's going to be helping people out tomorrow night after Blood and Guts. Uh, Wheeler, Utah, thank you so much for your time, and uh, good luck tomorrow evening, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Check out AEW Dynamite every Wednesday at 8 on TBS, AEW Rampage every Friday at 10 on TNT, and AEW Collision every Saturday at 8 also on TNT. My guest today is a legendary Boston comedian who will be performing two shows at the Music Hall Lounge in downtown Portsmouth on Saturday, July 29th. Welcome to Reinman in the Morning, Jimmy Tingle. Mr. Tingle, how's it going? It's going great, John. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so happy to have you. Where did you first start performing in Boston? Were you a ding-ho guy? Was that your first spot? I was a ding-ho guy. I was an open mic performer, daytime bartender, doorman. I did a lot of different, uh, wore a lot of different hats at the ding-ho. Yes, and Barry Crummins was my, my, uh, my boss. And Lenny Clark was the host of the open mic nights on Wednesday nights. Yep. Wow. What an amazing crew, huh? And they're all still yeah, going. Yeah, well, I was there the night Steve Wright with the Johnny Carson folks came in to see Steve Wright. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was uh, Paula Poundstone and yeah. Stephen Wright and Dennis Leary and Sweeney and Lenny and the whole crew. Barry Cremins, Bobby Goldthwait, uh, Mark Marin popped in uh, when he was first starting out. It was a great it was a great crew. Jonathan Groff, you might know. I'm sure you know Jonathan Groff. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Those, I know of him. Yeah, big late night guy. Yeah. Uh, yes. You're a very topical comedian. Uh, what are you going to be discussing when you come to Portsmouth? What's on your mind these days? Well, one of the things that's on my mind, of course, is the election. I got to tell you right now, John. I like Biden. That's okay. Right. I like Joe Biden, and I tell you why. Number one, makes me feel young. <laughs> I love that, John. <laughs> it's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great feeling, and I also like a lot of his policies. Biden hired a hundred thousand police officers to fight crime in this country. The top one percent in the country said, "Good, they're going to catch criminals." Then he hired eighty-seven thousand IRS agents to go after corporate criminals. The same people go bad. They're going to catch us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how that works, right? They 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 like it's the blue amazing. color. Yeah, it's uh, amazing, and I also think because Biden has that. You know, he's got that progressive element in his in the party. They might start to reevaluate uh, national defense because you remember the debt ceiling debate uh, last month. The only thing that was off the table was national defense. And I'm thinking, what if we broaden the definition of national defense? And like housing was a form of national defense. The national defense budget is eight hundred and fifty billion dollars. Do you know how many houses you can buy with eight hundred and fifty billion dollars? How many? Like three. 
That's like three houses in Portsmouth. <laughs> That's a lot. That's pretty good. I'll take that. Our two, our two condos in Manchester. Oh, my gosh. What are you going to do? Are, are I'm you... a townhouse in North Conway. <laughs> and you can visit Manchester by the sea. You can almost afford that. Uh, That's right. <laughs> political leanings aside, I know it's early, but who yep. do you see getting the nomination from the Republican side? Well, you know, I'll tell you what DeSantis has going for him, right? First of all, he, he made a lot of people happy, but he also upset a lot of people. He flew 50 Venezuelan asylum seekers from Texas to Martha's Vineyard just to embarrass the good people of Martha's Vineyard. John, I say we retaliate. I say we send 50 gay couples reading banned books to Florida. <laughs> yeah, if we can get them to go. Sure, i say that's okay. <laughs> but of course... Donald Trump is, is the front runner. And the yeah. reason he's the front runner, he's got the very powerful supporters. I mean, he cut corporate taxes. The corporations love him. He cut environmental regulations. The oil and gas industry loves him. This man actually cut regulations for Christianity. The Ten Commandments are down to six. <laughs> it's tough times, man. man. I tell you. I know. The man cut. He cut lying, stealing, cheating, and adultery. Yeah, <laughs> those are all let's okay. Let's be honest, John. Let's be honest. Four more years of this man, there'll be no more commandments. Yeah, tell me about it. Well, <laughs> well, let me ask you. I mean, so do you think he's the guy? Do you think he's probably going to get it, Trump, one more time? If he's not in jail, he yeah. might be. Yeah. Well, what if he, he is he in might jail? Might end up in jail, but it's but you know it's, it's the craziest thing. He gets busted, and he gets even when he got found guilty of the attacks on the woman in, in New York City, the, his fundraising went up. So mm. it's it's kind of nutty. I, I don't know what to think. He probably will get the domination if he's wow. not if he's not in jail. You know, but I think that Biden's going to do well. I really do because I think. Put it this way. Trump is also responsible. He's the guy that put all these uh, conservative justices on the Supreme Court. Mm. And you know what? The women of this country are not happy about that. And I'll tell you something else. The secret weapon is going to be the men. When the men in this country realize that they're going to be financially responsible for all these new children, I am predicting the largest pro-choice march in the history of Washington, D.C. <laughs> I am predicting the 100 million man march on Washington. Hey, yeah. hey, yeah. ho, ho, responsibility got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho, we simply do not have the dough. Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, keep your laws out of her vagina. Okay, all right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we might we might have Trump himself on the uh, on the picket line down there at that point. Well, let, well, let me ask you on the Democratic side, though, from Massachusetts, uh, we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running. Yep. How worried should Joe Biden be about RFK Jr.? Well, I think he's got to acknowledge the fact that the guy is running and that the guy was actually opposed to the, opposed to the vaccine. I mean, and he was not alone. And his type of when somebody of that status comes out against the vaccine, it really uh, influences other people. I have a friend of mine. He's a recovering heroin addict. OK, he would not take the vaccine. I said to him, why aren't you going to take the vaccine? His exact words were, you don't know what's in it. I said, you've been buying illegal drugs on the streets from strangers. What do you think? That was approved by the Surgeon General? <laughs> sure. Yeah, they all, they all have the sticker. They're like, yeah, yeah, I just talked to him today. I mean, gosh, we, right. eat, we eat Slim Jims all the time. Well, what's the big deal, man? Get a. <laughs> I, I know, exactly. And I also think that what Biden has going for him, he has the largest climate change 
uh, green energy bill in the history of the country, of any country in the world. And obviously, climate change is real. And it's separating whole countries. We can see what's going on with the weather in the southern states and all over the world and monsoons and Mm. forest fires in Canada and every place. The temperatures are through the roof. And it's been going on for a while. You remember the blizzard. And the thing is, it's separating whole families right here in Massachusetts and right here in New Hampshire. You remember the blizzard of 2015? We had nine feet of snow. Mm -hmm. We had nine feet of snow in New England. Everybody had to shovel out their own parking space. I come home from work. I saw a woman pulling into my parking space. I said, excuse me, miss. Excuse me. That's my space. Excuse me. With all due respect, it took me three hours to shovel that out. That's my space. Excuse me. I don't care if we're married. Yeah, Yeah, man, you got to put her in line. Get your own snowblower, honey. Um, And I don't and I don't mean Biden's son um, or Trump's or Trump's for that matter. How funny is that, by the way, that like neither one can play the your son card because they're kind of the same. How about that for a buddy comedy? How about we get Don Jr. and uh, Hunter Biden together just like on a road trip? What do you think about that? Yeah, for like, I think that would be hilarious. Or we get Jared Kushner. I mean, there's yeah. nothing about Biden's son getting money from China and Ukraine and all this stuff. Jared Kushner just got $2 billion from Saudi Arabia. What's that? Yeah, it's almost enough to play golf for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I got to ask you, you were a contributor on 60 Minutes 2. You've seen news coverage from both sides. Are you able to watch cable news now? Or are you kind of just turning it off like I am? Is it too much? You know... I, I, I go from station to station. I watch Fox. I watch MSNBC. I watch CNN. I don't watch them religiously, you know, but I, I do watch them. And I try to, you know, uh, just, you know, pay attention to what's going on, see what the what people are saying. But I, I too much of it's not healthy. It's just not healthy. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I find anyway, and it's my job. I like reading. I enjoy reading. I'll tell you, the PBS NewsHour is excellent. It's mm-hmm. a whole hour. They they have, you know, basically a more balanced approach, I think, because it's public and it's, you know, it's a more balanced approach. I like that. But I, I miss people like uh, I miss your shows, the late night television shows. I miss Bill Maher. You know, I watch those folks all the time. You know, I find that I find those really helpful. I find the podcast really helpful. There's a lot of folks that used to work uh, disaffected Republicans that, that were started the Lincoln group, the Lincoln Project, you know. Who yeah. were uh, they have podcasts? The Bulwark is a really great podcast. Politicology is a great podcast, and they're all Republicans who, you know, they feel that a lot of that the party is lost, and they're upset, and they're looking for a home. But they're very good. I find them very balanced. Put it that way. Uh, so I like those guys a lot. Of course, there's NPR and public television and all of that, and that's good. And uh, you know, do the reading that I can do. I try to mix it up with the Globe, the Herald. And the uh, New York Times, I read the Wall Street Journal. You know, and again, I don't read them cover to cover every day, but that's what I find. I try to get most of my information in those areas. And the podcasts are great. You do get a lot of information from the podcast. I love the conversations when they're really laid back, and uh, it, it's, it's informative. Well, yeah, and I, I agree with you there. And I, it is good to have something that's balanced, but you brought up late night, and I'm a huge late night comedy nerd, and uh, you got to perform. On the Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson, which is just the holy grail. How did it go back then? Did you send in a tape, or did you audition for someone in person? 
I auditioned for uh, Jim McCauley down in New York at a club called Stand Up New York. Uh, they were doing auditions there. They wanted some topical and political humor. And uh, I went in and auditioned, and, and he really, really liked it a lot. And it started a whole process. You know how it is. It took, yeah. In my case, anyway, it took a couple of months to get on the show. Had to go out to L.A., went around to different clubs, showed them different material. You know, he was concerned about the order. So you do things that are personal more than and as you as the set unfolds, you can do more political things. But, you know, you start off with something about yourself and and growing up in Boston and and that type of thing. And it was a lot of fun. And some of the material, believe it or not, is is still relevant. Even though it was 1988 when I was on the show. One of the bits I did at that time was the price of a postage stamp. And at the price of the stamp was 25 cents, right? Uh-huh. It was 1988. And I'm saying, hey, for 20, and people are complaining. This is an outrage. Who do they think they are uh, raising the price of a stamp to a quarter? You watch the rest of the newscast, and it's like, you know, South Africa, there's this going on, and all over the world, there's all these horror shows. And then in the United States, the price of the stamp went up to a quarter. People in Afghanistan, how do they live there? <laughs> people in the people in the Middle East, is there no God? Yeah. And you think about it. For twenty five cents, a person comes to a box in my neighborhood, picks up my message, delivers it anywhere in the United States of America for twenty five cents. What's the problem? What you want change? Yeah. Tip the guy two cents. You can't pay a four year old American kid twenty five cents to lick the stamp. <laughs> now, the great. Now the great thing about that bit is, John. Every time the price of a stamp increased, I said, "Hey." I have no material. Yeah. So ten years later, ten years later, I'm on the I'm on sixty minutes two with Dan Rather, folks. For thirty four cents, a person <laughs> comes to a box in your neighborhood, picks up your message, delivers it anywhere in the country. Ten years later, I'm on HBO for forty eight cents. A man comes to a box in your neighborhood, and now it's almost I think it's sixty cents, and the price of a stamp has increased. Oh, what is that? Four hundred percent over right. the last forty years. I was thinking if the price of a stamp increases 400% every 40 years, 40 years from now, I'll be 108 years old. Hopefully, I'll be still be playing the music hall in Portsmouth, <laughs> New Hampshire. I'll be in front of your grandchildren, John. You kids have no idea how lucky, lucky, lucky you are to live in this great, great country. For six bucks, a person comes to a box in your neighborhood. I love it. For all things Jimmy Tingle, go to JimmyTingle.com.